0: Of failure. The system of failure. This, this is all variables. It's random, it's chaotic. Every equation needs stability, something known. It's called a constant. Desmond, you have no constant. When you go to the future, nothing there is familiar. So if you want to stop this, then you need to find something there. Something that you really, really care about also exists back
1: here. Hello, everyone. Matt here, and welcome to Looking Back at Lost, where each week I look at another episode of ABC's Lost to see how the episode fits into the series as a whole. Today I'll be covering episode 405, entitled The Constant. This is the 77th hour of the series, and there are 44 to go. And as you might notice, this uh, podcast is being released a day early. Why? Well, as Mighty Tim said on Twitter, it's 8.15. Why not? So with that, let's jump into the uh, Wikipedia summary for this landmark episode. Desmond Said and Lapidus experienced turbulence while flying the 130 kilometers, about 80 miles, distance from the island where they were stranded to Lapidus's team freighter, the Kahana. Desmond flashes back eight years to 1996, when he is serving in the British Army's Royal Scots Regiment. Moments later, his consciousness returns to the present day, and he neither knows where he is nor recognizes his companions, and has no memory of his life since 1996. After the helicopter lands, Desmond continues to jump between 1996 and 2004. He is taken to the sick bay where a man named Minkowski is strapped to a bed because he is experiencing similar problems. Minkowski explains that someone sabotaged the radio room 2 days earlier and that Desmond's ex-girlfriend Penny has been trying to contact the freighter. Said uses the satellite phone to contact Jack Shepard on the island and explains that Desmond appears to have amnesia. Daniel Faraday, a physicist from the freighter asks Jack whether Desmond has been recently exposed to a high level of radiation or electromagnetism. Jack is unsure, so Daniel speaks to Desmond and asks him about his situation. Desmond responds that he believes he is in 1996 and serving with the Royal Scots. Faraday understands and tells Desmond that when he returns to 1996, he needs to go to the physics department of the Queen's College, Oxford University in England to meet with Daniel's past self and gives Desmond some mechanical settings to relay, along with an extra phrase that Daniel assures him will convince Daniel's past self that the story is legitimate. Desmond's flashbacks become more frequent and longer. In 1996, Desmond tracks down a younger Faraday, who takes Desmond into his laboratory, where he is experimenting with a time machine. Setting his electromagnetic device with the settings that Desmond has given him, Daniel places his laboratory rat Eloise in a maze and exposes her to electromagnetic energy. The rat appears to become comatose, then awakens and runs the maze. Daniel becomes excited because he had just built the maze and had not yet taught Eloise how to run it. Desmond realizes that, like the rat... He is caught up in a time warp that is moving his consciousness between two different bodies at two different points in time and space. Eloise dies of a suspected brain aneurysm brought on by the exposure to the time lapse. Desmond becomes worried that he will die like Eloise, and Daniel instructs him to find something or someone, a constant, who is present in both times and can serve as an anchor for Desmond's mental stability. Desmond decides that Penny can be the constant, However, he must make contact with her in 2004. To find out where she lives, Desmond gets her address from her father, Charles, who is at an auction buying a journal owned by Tovard Hanso, written by a crew member of the 19th century ship called the Black Rock. In 1996, Desmond finds Penny, who is distraught over their breakup, and is not willing to see him. However, he gets her telephone and tells her not to change it, because he will call her on Christmas Eve 2004. In 2004, Saeed, Desmond, and Minkowski escape the sickbay and begin to repair the broken communication equipment. Meanwhile, Minkowski enters another flashback and dies. Showing signs of suffering the same fate as Minkowski, Desmond telephones Penny, who tells Desmond that she has been searching for him for the past three years, and they reconcile before the power is shut off. Having made contact with his constant, Desmond stops alternating between 1996 and 2004, Back on the island, Daniel flips through his journal and discovers a note that he had written saying, if anything goes wrong, Desmond Hume will be my constant. So with that, let's now get into my thoughts about the episode. And, you know, it's it was a bit of a daunting task preparing to watch this episode. This is, you know, the granddaddy of them all. The great, you know, standalone episode of Lost. The great, I don't know, the great... uh Episode about which so much has already been said and, you know, what can I add? Uh, I considered for a little while uh, maybe doing a, uh, a, a live watch, a commentary track. But uh, then I said, well, that's not going to give me an opportunity at all to, to stop and comment uh, at, as time might require. And certainly there are moments in this episode which, which are a bit of a lull. Uh, some actually quite, quite quiet moments, as we'll talk about uh, in a bit. So ultimately, I just decided let me uh, continue here, give it my best go, and uh, you know certainly it's uh, it's a special episode that I hope I do uh, I do justice with. So anyhow, uh, the episode starts without a previously unlost, who of course has the time in such a such a jam packed episode, uh, and, and also to be fair, it's also uh, despite some movement of the overall plot, most of it dealing with. Introducing the freighter people. Uh, this is certainly a natural way to do it, uh, as well as some little clues about this mysterious Michael person. Uh, it's not, of course, meant to be clear that it's Michael, but uh, the, the fact that someone is on the freighter helping out. There are those little bits of uh, bits of uh, suggestion there, but ultimately, it's just a uh, ultimately it's just a standalone episode, as best as the series could possibly do such a thing. Anyhow, the, uh, the episode starts in the chopper, Desmond looking at Penny's picture, Saeed looking rather empty and quiet, and Frank flying the... on uh, <laughs> the notes here have the plane, obviously. Um, that's a, a bit of a Freudian slip there, certainly his fate for the end of the series, but Frank flying the, uh, the helicopter. There's about 20-plus seconds of silence. Uh, broken up by frank referring to and talking about the so-called cheat sheet that daniel drew the proper heading to get away from the island uh it's an interesting decision to start quiet it's something that's repeated uh, i'm going to guess beginning of third act fourth act somewhere in there uh where we have desmond uh, in the sick bay it's not how the act starts but saeed is is topside, just kind of looking around taking it all in uh, in distance, he'll see two characters, as we'll talk about in a bit. But um, it's, I don't, I'm not suggesting that it's padding. I think it certainly is, if nothing else, it's a, an opportunity to say, we're just going to start quiet because you're about to see something that's rather difficult to keep track of, <laughs> something that you have to get your head wrapped around, and something that they're going to kind of painstakingly and appropriately. Repeat and repeat in exposition by saying by really spelling out how this episode is different than the seventy six which preceded it. Uh, anyhow, this silence also kind of carries an added weight. Uh, in the previous episode, we were we were told that they hadn't made it to the boat, so there's certainly some teaser act tension there, kind of left over from previous uh, the previous episodes. Things pick up a bit. Is Said expositions about the penny picture, one of the, the rare times in the episode where they're truly guilty of just kind of egregious exposition, that's Penelope, who told Charlie she didn't know anything about these boat people, right? Is the gist of what Said says. Uh, with that, the scene becomes tense and jacquino-y and shaky as the storm uh, envelops the chopper. We see a shot of Desmond grabbing the side of his chair, then a quick hard cut to the same hand grabbing his cot in flashback i think we're meant to to wonder as first-time viewers now the genius of how this is presented for those first-time viewers is that it's of course without the whoosh it's the first hint that this is a different sort of episode uh then desmond who indeed it's 1996, although the year hasn't been named at that point, but uh, it's him back in the Royal Scots. Desmond recounts to his drill sergeant that he had a dream of being on a helicopter. Uh, there's a great little line there, because obviously he's the drill sergeant. He's there to, you know, you know, yell at everybody and do drill sergeant-y things. Uh, and, of course, Desmond needs to be giving this explanation because he was late to the line uh, by a couple of seconds. <laughs> and the drill sergeant has this luscious little line, well, at least he was having a military dream. Um, anyhow, in, in case anyone kind of missed this notion of Desmond's quote-unquote dream, the next scene is of Desmond and his bunkmates doing calisthenics in the rain, where he recounts the reality of his dream. We then cut again to the helicopter, where Desmond has no idea where he is and who these people are. With that shocking revelation... We cut to the title card now, I think it's worth to kind of pause here to have some common verbiage about the the two Desmonds, if you will. Island Desmond is the guy that we know from the island, and i'll you know he's largely largely gone from this episode at this point uh henceforth I'll refer to uh the the consciousness uh, who we spend most of the rest of the episode with, I'll refer to that as 1996 Desmond, thus called because, well, you know. Anyhow, having two stories going, the 1996 portion and the chopper, now, granted, it's really one story because of the linear nature of we're experiencing uh, things as 1996 Desmond experiences them, Uh, but uh, anyhow, we have these two portions of the story 1996 in the chopper. So of course we get a third brick in the oven, Jack and Juliet on the beach lamenting about the chopper having not yet returned, though as is pointed out, Charlotte isn't worried. And for good reason.
0: Should I wring my hands together and whisper a prayer on their behalf? Hey, hey, hey. Come on. Maybe we should just just tell them. Tell us what? Dan Let's not confuse anyone. Well, Daniel, maybe if you talk real slow, we'll be able to follow. Your perception of how long your friends have been gone, it's not necessarily how long they've actually been gone. What does that mean? This is a mistake. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. As long as Frank flew on the bearings that I gave him. If he stayed on it, it, it'll be fine. And what if he didn't? Then there might be side
1: effects. So there's the entire episode in a nutshell. Time isn't what you perceive it to be, and there may be strange side effects. Speaking of which, 1996 Desmond is still freaking out on helicopter, which is no excuse for the show to not show its own real freighter in the middle of the ocean, with a real helicopter swirling around it, or two, actually, if you count the the show's uh, production helicopters with one of the cameras on it, which is showing the show chopper, or maybe I'm calling them both show choppers now. Anyhow, lovely little moment of, look, it's a real freighter in the real ocean, and there's also a real Frank helicopter getting in getting ready for the landing how do we see that why well, there's a second helicopter shooting it all recording it all so nice little uh i don't know flourish there of what they've been able to accomplish uh, with that there's a swirl of action on the deck however we do meet a new brand new friendly friend what's
0: your name my friend
1: Said. okay Said. We're going to take your buddy down to the sickbay, okay? I'm going with you. Let a doctor look at him first, then you can come down. You got my word on that, okay? We repeat viewers want to scream out, No, it's Kimi! Don't trust him! But that last line, I give you my word, it does seem to cement the deal with the ever-honorable Saeed. Dramatically speaking, it also serves to disarm the tension in the scene and move the plot along, getting Desmond to sickbay. Uh, it also is a slight hint of things being awry. I mean, is it, you know what 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 damage would it be to have Saeed sitting there, uh, to you know, as the doctor looks over his sick friend? Obviously, it's because Minkowski is in uh, is in a similar situation, and they're trying to contain that particular notion. But anyhow, uh, now that we're settling into the new freighter, why keep things in any one location? Mid sentence again. We're back in the past, where poor, out-of-time Dez gets his uh, squad the punishment of running. I kind of wondered here, can't he just speak up and say he needs a doctor? He's feeling very dizzy, he's feeling disoriented, he's feeling like he's going to pass out. I mean, none of that, I mean, I suppose the disorientation is true. The other two might not be, but speak up, man, and say something's not right here, and you need to see a doctor. But anyhow, post-run... We do get a bit of an explanation as to the rules of the episode.
0: When I was in the yard doing crunches, I left. What do you mean you left? I was on a boat. And then, then I was back here, right, right where I started. Guys, if you're trying to get tossed out of service. Billy, I'm telling you the truth, man. Who else was on this? Anyone you recognize? Penny. There was a photo. Penny was in the photo. What? Oh, Des! Where are you going?
1: It's the first hint that things are running in a straight, linear line for the Desmond consciousness. Uh, What might be mistaken as the two Desmonds uh although uh i certainly gather that 2004 desmond is essentially on hold uh or or at the back of the 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 combined consciousness's minds that sort of thing certainly we're with 1996 desmond for uh for for the the course of the episode from the first uh uh flash to uh roll call in the royal scots and then after the uh after the, the the beautiful climax of the episode uh, so anyhow it's it's a it's this linear line uh, as Desmond perceives it, and I'm sure that this has been said before, but the episode almost mimics the watching of the series. things presented out of order but in a straight line. Each episode has a beginning, middle, and end and a cohesive story, but the parts are all mixed up within that within that story. Anyhow, the 1996 flashback—if you can indeed be calling these flashbacks—I'm not quite sure what, what other word uh, uh, would apply—or uh, we'll call it flashback for short—but certainly it's not a not a literary flashback the way uh, the way others have been. Anyhow, this 1996 bit ends with Desmond reaching over to pick up a dropped coin, and with that hard cut to the freighter, and there's a plaintive moment where Des is scratching at the deck to pick up that 1996 coin that, of course, isn't there. He's helped along, being told by kindly Omar to watch his step, while Kimi shows concern and care in his face. Ah, oh, nothing but nice guys, right? Desmond is sweetly walked to sick bay, uh, where they take him to the center of the room and then quickly exit, locking him in. These nice guys. He bangs on the door, and director Jack Bender uses jump cuts to show him repeatedly banging and saying, I'm not supposed to be here. Now, usually a jump cut conveys frantic, disconnected energy. Uh, For example, to show his unfocused, uncouth rage. Here, I couldn't help but wonder if perhaps it was almost an editorial in-joke. The entire episode consists of jump cuts between 1996 and 2004, so why not a couple more? As it turns out, though, Desmond is not the only one in that sick bay.
0: Hey, hey, it's happening to you too, isn't it?
1: Now I wonder if, on first viewing, if we recognized him as Minkowski. Probably not, although Fisher Stevens at least to me, will always be the oddly cast actor who played uh, Ben Japutia in the Short Circuit movies. Ben is Indian, down to the accent, and his skin tone is achieved by painting Fisher Stevens Brown. How blind we were to ignorance. Anyhow, back to this particular show. After the act break, it's a quiet return to the freighter exterior, with Saeed taking a calm look around. It's another one of these kind of quiet moments. After a bit of looking around, in the distance he sees Kimi and Lapidus arguing over something. Lapidus comes to talk to Saeed, uh, who included the lovely little gem that they, that they took off in dusk and landed in the middle of the day. See, mystery solved. Sort of. Anyhow, Frank assures Said and us that he's trying to help, and I think that even on first viewing we believe him. There really is just something... Uh, incredibly i don't know genuine is the wrong word certainly trustworthy by jeff fahey's uh performance um perhaps it's because he doesn't look that put together you know he he's in need of a shave despite not having crash landed on an island like many of our other male uh regulars have you know they certainly have that excuse uh it's kind of this overgrown beard we know the fact that he's a drinker we know that he's had some uh Oh, some, I suppose you could call it depression after the crash. It was supposed to have been him who flew 815, all, that sort of thing. He's kind of looking for a redemption here. Um, there's just something incredibly uh, connectable about uh, the character of Lepidus, and, and why it is, I don't know, but it certainly is the case. Uh, and, it, and it serves the character very, very well. Anyhow, with that, Said is finally able to call Jack, and after checking in about Desmond, we now get some more answers. Side effects?
0: Wait, your friend, um, Desmond, has he, has he recently been exposed to high levels of radiation or electromagnetism? Okay, look, uh, we don't know why, but going to and coming from the island, some people can get a little... Fused. So, what, this is This amnesia? No, this is not amnesia.
1: I love that we're able to return briefly to the electromagnetic pulse that Desmond received at the end of season two. We will, of course, return to it in season six and his uh, electromagnetic ability, and, and certainly how that impacts the last uh, uh, the last couple episodes of the series. So it's just, there's just this wonderful, I don't know, there's this great through line with Desmond. I don't know how much they intended it to be there. I mean, certainly, as I recall, Desmond wasn't meant to uh, return at the end of season two initially, uh, but just there's this great through line with him of, uh, you know, that that electromagnet- electromagnetism uh, and and how it, keeps being uh, kind of in his, uh, I don't know, in in the character, uh, I don't want to say backstory, not in the past, but just something that helps define the character. Anyhow, the story moves to Desmond talking to a catatonic Minkowski, who snaps back and says he was on a Ferris wheel. With that, he freaks out uh, when Dr. Ray enters, although, of course, Minkowski cools it after a sedative injection. Dr. Ray starts to talk to Desmond, and we suddenly return to 1996. We're right where we were, Desmond reaching for a coin on the ground. He gets gets that coin indeed and calls Penny. He admits that he's in trouble and confused. She rejects him. He did, after all, up and leave. He says, I need, and with the word you, he's back on the freighter uh frank and Said enter so that daniel can talk to desmond and ray hits the emergency alarm and through it desmond is able to admit the year it's 1996 and he's supposed to be north of glasgow with that professor daniel at least former professor daniel gives him some homework no, no,
0: I'm thinking, thinking. desmond listen when it happens again desmond i need you to get on a train Get on a train and go to Oxford. Oxford University, Queen's College Physics Department, alright? What? Why? Because I need you to find me.
1: Ah, it's almost a little delicious back-to-the-future moment to find your past self. After the act break, the tension continues with that annoying horn blaring and Daniel telling, uh... Desmond that he can convince 1996 Daniel by setting the machine to 2.342 get it? among other things, if that doesn't work mention Eloise hey, we've met an Eloise before, haven't we? actually, for first time viewers, no I will admit, I had to confirm this on Lostpedia her name isn't given until this place's death and she was only confirmed to be that person in the episode 316 both season 5 episodes but Nonetheless, there's kind of a nice little, uh, oh, nice little bit to explore, uh, which which we'll do in a couple scenes when we meet this episode's Eloise. Anyhow, Desmond on the phone in the freighter. Nicely cuts to 1996, where he was on the phone with Penny. Uh, luckily, he has those two days of leave away from uh, away from the Royal Scots, so he goes to Oxford to meet Dan. There's kind of an interesting hair moment when Desmond first sees Daniel. Desmond's long hair is, is hidden under a short wig for the 1996 segments, and Daniel's short hair is under a long wig in 1996. If you don't mind me calling the actors by their character name. Anyhow, Desmond plays it straight to Dan. I'm here from the future. Dan plays it back, asking why such a silly prank would be played. Sure enough, though, the 2.342 and the Eloise bit is all mentioned, and Daniel believes him. Uh, the story moves to Dan's lab, where all sorts of nuggets get dropped. Maybe 2004 Dan has forgotten this conversation. Hey, he had memory troubles last week. You can't change the future. Hey, his mom said that and flashes before your eyes. And he wears a lead vest to prevent against problems caused by his radiation experiments. What protects your head, Desmond asks. Daniel smirks. And we almost feel that we've gone full circle, what, with his memory problems and perhaps <laughs> perhaps enough radiation leaked so that that's why he's having these ra- uh, memory problems. Anyhow, uh, with that, Dan fetches his Eloise, the white rat. He announces her name, then strokes his face with her body. A rat that you love, a rat named after your mother, a rat that you're putting through dangerous scientific experiments, who ultimately dies... Ah, the mommy issues. Anyhow, he puts Eloise in a maze while explaining that this is a timeline on sticker. Hey, just like Des. Eloise runs the maze, which is wonderfully clear on the bottom for the purposes of the camera. She runs the maze, and courtesy of more crystal clear dialogue, we learn that she hasn't learned it, and thus she's from the future. Dan moves to the blackboard to explain things back to the future style but Dez cuts back to sickbay. There's general confusion with Frank simply explaining that Dan wanted to help, so they call Dan. Uh, We see the first glare of Kimi's true side here, by the way, as he turns kind of ominous and mean. The scene wraps up with lots of huff and puff, Kimi shuttling Frank, Dr. Ray, Caesar, and himself out in order to talk to the mysterious captain, a little nugget for, for weeks to come, and also locking Desmond and Saeed in sickbay. Needing a way to end the act, by the way, because Minkowski just knows he he must end the act, I suppose, Uh, he says that before he was strapped down, he was avoiding taking calls from Penelope Widmore. After the break, we're in 1996 again. At this point, we're a bit past the halfway mark of the episode, by about five minutes. Uh, I was struck by how different my memory uh, of this episode was from this rewatch, which I suppose has a certain added irony that here I am repeating the events of watching it. I don't remember it accurately. It's a very kind of Dan meta thing. Anyhow, I I, I thought that this episode had less freighter and more Desmond. Also, we've only heard from Penny and not seen her. Uh, just a comment there. I mean, it's no... Uh, so fine, the episode might have lived better in my heart than it does in reality but you know say love anyhow desmond seems to be coming out of his catatonic state and uh something uh, faraday confirms uh, this is i know i just said it but we're still 1996 here i'm <laughs> confusing myself uh dan also says that it seems the problem is getting worse and worse and with that the show puts a little action uh put, puts into action rather the adage of showing things on film not just saying them Things getting worse and worse. What is it? Eloise, the rat, is dead. A teensy bit of blood upon her nose. Dan supposes that she died of a brain aneurysm. This is how wise the guideposts are in this episode, by the way. Here we have Desmond in the middle of his unraveling. We have Minkowski, who's farther down the line and who indeed won't be around much longer. And we have Eloise as a mini version of the storyline. Uh, perfectly fine, then exposed to radi- radiation, time jumping, then dead. Daniel explains that the uh, that there are all these variables and that Desmond needs, wait for it, a constant, just like the title. It's a slightly exposition-heavy scene. Get a constant. Can it be a person? Sure. I'll call my constant. Uh, when Desmond can't get through, she's changed her number, apparently... Since the previous day? This is a slight goof here. I know later on she'll say, well, of course I changed my number. I moved. The number was good. I mean, he he has two days leave, right? So worse comes to worse, this is somehow the second day. Uh, Even if that's the case and he's going to see Penny that night and get back to base on time, what she moved like over the weekend out of the blue? Possible, just not probable. A slight imperfection otherwise fine episode uh anyhow he can't get through to her so he runs down the stairs and stumbles now here jack bender does a really really nice job of matching the fall shots as desmond goes from 1996 to 2004 in both of these shots he's about the same size and in the same position on screen uh as we jump cut from the one to the other really really nice Anyhow, Desmond, back in 2004, says he must call Penny. After a bit of back and forth, the three, Minkowski included, are all set to sneak up to the radio room. What about the locked door, Said asks. Minkowski points out that it's miraculously Michael open now, Michael. It looks like you have a friend on this boat, Minkowski says, making us even more sure that the person in that ironic sentence is, of course, Michael. Why the the Michael secret was so poorly hidden within the show's own story, I'm really not quite sure. But anyhow, that certainly is uh, an episode to discuss down the line. Uh, as they help Minkowski up, he starts to have a bloody nose. Hey, just like Eloise the Rat. See how that story bit works there? It was foreshadowing. And it's going to be three sets of foreshadowing, because of course this is... You know, example of Western literature where things come in threes: so Eloise, Bloody Nose, Minkowski, Bloody Nose, Desmond, Bloody Nose. Things, of course, change the third time. Anyhow, speaking of nice touches, the show really starts to push the jumpiness of the jump cuts.
0: Hey, yeah. In those parts.
1: Now, I actually still have the show audio running for about another five seconds. That's how kind of severe the cut is. They're mid-acting, they're mid-camera uh, move, they're even mid-Giacchino, and just like that, it's all cut out, and uh, we're back to Desmond waking up in the stairwell. The story moves to an auction uh, involving a painting of the Black Rock and the journal written by the first mate, uh, having been owned by Mr. Hanso. It's a nice little echo of seasons past and for future, for that matter. And, of course, those future episodes are still taking place in the past in terms of talking about, uh, well, the Dharma stuff that is yet to come in Season 5. It's all one big circle. Anyhow, Widmore wins the bid just as Desmond arrives, and uh, they have a private conversation in the men's room while Widmore relieves himself. Nothing says, I'm paying attention to you while we talk as you concentrate on going to the bathroom. They chat a bit about Penny, with Widmore confident that Penny will rebuff Desmond. Uh, He gives Desmond her address, which is a convenient way to bring her into the story face-to-face. Back on the freighter, Minkowski gives a bit of dialogue about how the Flash has started, and then they sneak into the communications room. It's been sabotaged by Mr. Mysterious Michael. Oops. Oops. Anyhow, Minkowski fla- uh, flashes away and becomes very gone, or starts to get very gone. Uh, and as Saeed starts to whirl together another Gilgan's Island coconut telephone with spit and bailing wire and, you know, little corners of gum wrappers, he notices that Desmond has a bloody nose. With that, just in case you weren't clear on the threat that the bloody nose poses as foreshadowing, Minkowski starts to convulse and dies just in case, as I said, you didn't get the whole bloody nose is a bad thing idea. Uh, With that, we have an act break, and then we're back in 1996 in that bathroom where the hardly-filled sink is now overflowing uh, with Desmond on the floor. He washes his face. It's almost a baptismal moment for those of you who see Desmond as Christ, as I do. Uh, And with that, he zooms over to Penny's flat. It's a brutal scene. She's prepared to kick him to the curb, but she's willing to listen. It's the start of the shining core of the episode and perhaps the show. It's a scene that's about faith and love.
0: Just say what you need to say and then go. I know this doesn't make any sense because it doesn't make any sense to me, but eight years from now, I, I need to call you and I can't call you if I don't have your number.
1: What? Look,
0: Penny, just just give me your number. I, I, know, I know I've know i ruined things. I know you think things are over between us, but, but they're not. If there's any part of you that still believes in us, just, just give me a number. What's to say you wouldn't call me tonight or tomorrow? I won't call. For eight years, December the 24th, 2004, Christmas Eve, a promise. If I give you the number, will you leave?
1: Faith and love. The show is firing on all cylinders here. Giacchino's sweet and lurking music. Sonia Walters acting. It's it's all there. The story moves back on the freighter, where working phone and newly gotten phone number come together. And with that, perhaps we flashback, really flashback, to seeing Penny watching from the window. What happens next is editorial delight. Or perhaps it isn't a real flashback, perhaps it's just a continuation of the time flashes, but...
0: Penny There's, where are you
1: um, I'm 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 on a boat um, I've, I've been on an island uh, Oh my god Penny is that really you
0: Yeah <laughs> Yes it's me You believe me you still care about me? Des, I've been looking for you for the past three years. I know about the island. I've been researching. <laughs> and then when I spoke to your friend Charlie, that's when I knew you were still alive. That's when I knew I wasn't crazy. Des, are you still there? Yes, yes, I'm here. I'm still here, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, that's better. I love you, Penny. I've always loved you. I'm so sorry. I love you. I love you too. I don't know where I am, but. I'll find you down. I promise. No matter what. I'll come back to you. I won't give up. I promise. I promise. I love, I love you. you.
1: I mean that's that's the show right there. That's not not the episode. That's the series right there. That's uh you know, I mean it's uh I rewatched it last night. I re listened to the clip now, and it's uh it's just as powerful each time. It just uh you know it's the ultimate statement of what the show is all about. The the universal idea of, of uh of love of two people connecting. Uh Uh, i wonder too how much this episode impacted the finale now as soon as you commit to doing some episodes in the afterlife or kind of showing them moving on together as soon as that's kind of uttered in the writer's room i mean it's obvious enough you know to to show the happy bunch at the end i mean it's obvious enough I, i guess in retrospect at the very least but that's as i said that's that's the series right there. That's, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. It doesn't make any difference if those are flashbacks or time flashes, what exactly it is that we're seeing, but it's just about faith and love. And, uh, it's the, it's the show in a single episode. Still, though, there's uh there is a central conflict for the week, kind of that, that dramatic necessity, Desmond's wayward flashing. And, uh, time for the show to wrap that up as well desmond thanks Said. it's a great acting moment he he indeed now looks uh, like he's our desmond uh it's you know he's he's back conflict resolved show gives us a bit of a breather just for a couple of seconds but uh, there's an overhead shot of the freighter in the middle of the day then we're back on the beach during sunset Dan is flipping through his notebook, backward, back in time, if you will, to reveal uh, that he's always had a page in there that read, if anything happens, Desmond Hume is my constant. It's not the greatest of endings. You know, Lost is oft to end on a mysterious zinger that compels you to tune in next week. Uh, in my opinion, this zinger takes away from the central thrust of what is essentially a self-contained episode. Still, it does confirm that there is uh, one timeline, that the past has always been the past, and whatever happened, happened. But uh, it's a pity that they just simply didn't end on more of a self-contained note. As we'll get into the Lostpedia stuff in a moment, there actually was... uh, (laughs) <laughs> a much less subtle uh, ending or much less uh i, I mean you know th- this ending with dan that that's self-contained to or, uh, compared to what they originally had planned but um you know just a marvelous marvelous episode it's it's astonishing to think that for all the for all the uh wonderful things in the in the first season that uh you know desmond was not a character in the first season penny was not a character in the first season um and their you know their 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 distant love the love that's that's kept apart by time and and the oceans uh that it's such an important part of the show now you know they season five you see that by and large resolved in a in a big way I think that's also where you kind of feel like the Desmond character has uh, been pushed to the side, but of course he comes back in in triumphant uh, fashion at the end. Uh, All things to look forward to, but first, let's talk Lostpedia, the bits and pieces that I've missed along the way. Uh, Lostpedia says that according to the calendar on the wall, as well as Desmond, the uh, real time events of this episode take place on day 94, Christmas Eve two days after Saeed, Desmond, and Frank left the island. I will admit I didn't quite catch that it was two days, although it is clear enough that it's Christmas Eve. Uh, Also, Southfields, the organization holding the auction, is an anagram for shifted soul. This might have been done to reflect the way Desmond's uh, mind uh, or soul was shifted through time. Uh, Also, the information about Faraday's device is an example of the bootstrap paradox it is given to desmond by faraday himself who's only aware of it because desmond told him in the past thus the information was actually never discovered Uh, another example would be richard's compass just as a side note if you're wondering why it's called the bootstrap paradox uh, i was as well lostpedia was scant on that however here's a quick blurb from wikipedia the term bootstrap paradox comes from robert a highland's story by his bootstraps which the protagonist is asked to go through a time portal by a mysterious stranger. The second stranger tries to stop him and all three get into a fight, which results in the protagonist being pushed through anyway. Ultimately it is revealed that all three are the same person. Uh, the first visitor is his future self and the second is an even older future self trying to prevent the loop from occurring. The bootstrap here, uh, is where and how the loop started in the first place. Uh, so there you go. And, uh, there also are a ton of other examples on there. Uh, one certainly they refer to as the Terminator movies. Um, and it's worth checking out. They actually refer, uh, make reference to a story called All You Zombies, uh, which I read online. I think I feel like I first came across this uh, for the podcast, maybe back in season one, although maybe I just wandered across it on my own. Um, but that story, All You Zombies, you can find it, online for free on some website or another i don't know if that's breaking copyright law but uh, anyhow it's a weird weird story to read and uh there you go let's uh let's head back to lost though um according to the audio commentary on the season 4 dvd and this is the bit about the final scene here the final scene was to involve charlotte approaching daniel with a bag of gas masks directly setting up the events of the next episode Due to the dramatic and emotional impact of the scenes preceding it, however, they decided that Daniel reading about Desmond in his journal was cliffhanger enough, uh, which I certainly, certainly would agree with. Uh, it's, I think that would have, that that would have damaged uh, the show, damaged the episode greatly. You want to end the episode with a little bit of a zinger of mystery and things that we'll learn in the future. Uh, okay fine i mean it wouldn't be my choice but it's not like they don't do that every week uh to have just directly set up action 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 and mystery for next week something that clearly is is going to be happening shortly would have not gone over well uh last uh, a big uh chunk here that i got from the wikipedia article on this page Uh, Q's and Lindelof admitted that they took some inspiration from the final episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, entitled All Good Things, where Captain Picard jumps between two time frames. The Lost Writers compared Minkowski's role to Q as someone who is undergoing and understanding the same events as our protagonist. Faraday, on the other hand, was the expert that always appears in time travel science fiction. Or as Lindelof puts it, he's our Doc Brown here who basically is going to tell the protagonist to go and find him in the past. Whereas the average lost episode took two weeks to plan and write, the constant took five because the writers experienced difficulty when determining its effect on future stories. The Wikipedia blurb here wraps up by saying, uh, Popular mechanics analyzed the possibility of time travel using lost rules. Michio Kaku uh, claimed that the show's producers did their homework, according to him there's no law of physics preventing this type of time travel just lack of know-how but it would take a very advanced civilization to really do this q stated that we the writers try to use enough science to give it a sense of credibility and it is of course nothing if not a a credible and wonderful episode and uh just you know my goodness uh the the granddaddy of episodes just just a Fantastic, fantastic episode. Anyhow, let's look ahead to next week, which may be a bit of a, you know, a bit of a downgrade, as is the case when you come off from from an A plus episode. But uh, next week is episode four oh six, entitled "The Other Woman." Uh, it is, of course, a, a Juliet uh, episode, flashing back to her time on the island, and uh, as well as some other goodies along the way so uh, and then after that just kind of looking ahead and my goodness after that g Yan, which i may be mispronouncing uh and then meet kevin johnson after that and a reminder that after we do episode 408 uh that will be what will kind of simulate you and i we're going to simulate the uh the pause that the season took uh at this point because of the writer's strike to get back on track uh, I won't be going anywhere. Hopefully, you'll be back as well. But that that week after meet Kevin Johnson, uh, I'll be talking about the uh, missing pieces uh, webisodes. Treat that as one episode, and uh, and that will be that. So, I suppose before I give the contact information, uh, it uh, it certainly struck me as a fun irony that I'm uh, not irony. I suppose it's just is it, is it fate or is it coincidence but here this episode releasing uh, a little early so it could be released on eight fifteen that is of course uh you know one year from now uh eight fifteen twenty thirteen will be the, the final episode of this podcast it's amazing on the one hand to think that uh that we're in this you know this countdown of a final year uh that said a year is a long time uh and I uh, thank you for joining me each week to uh to take this look back as we as we say so if you'd like to share feedback the best way to do it say hello to me on twitter where i'm looking back lost you can leave a message in the voicemail line 732-707-1815 send an email to looking back at lost at gmail.com or leave a comment on the webpage lookingbackatlost.podbean.com. looking back at com. So thank you again for joining me for this uh, just absolutely wonderful, wonderful, beloved episode. And I will talk to you all again next week for 406, The Other Woman. Take care, everybody, and bye-bye.